Bless the Lord this morning, church. Amen. How many are thankful to be free this morning just like we sang? Amen. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to be free in Christ. I'm also thankful to be part of a nation that believes in freedom. Amen. And so uh, I just praise God for that. How many are you ready to receive the word this morning? Amen. Praise God. For those of you who might not know who I am, I think most of you would be, but I am Jeff Merriman, the executive pastor here at South Metro. It is my honor and my privilege to introduce us to our newest series in the book of Ephesians. But before we get going, a great big welcome to everyone that's here this morning. We also want to extend an, a, a great big welcome to our extended church family, Go Church in, in uh, Germantown, Maryland. So as always, church, can we just extend a great big welcome to our other church family? Amen. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to bring the introduction to this series to all of you. For anyone else that's watching online, we want to welcome you as well to South Metro. Pray that you're blessed by the word. And especially on this uh, Independence Day weekend, we want to extend a welcome and a thank you to all of our men and women in uniform all across the globe. Can we bless them this morning as well, church? We are always praying for their protection, for their provisions and for God's power upon their life, we pray the same for you as well. I want to get going with this series. It'll be a six-week study on the power of the gospel uh, to reshape our lives, uh, the power of the good news of Jesus Christ to transform us and make us new. And how many here this morning know that the gospel has the power to make everything new? Amen. I'm a product of that. I know that you all are a product of that, but that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks, the good news of Jesus Christ to transform our lives and make us new, just like Paul was made new. If you're not aware, Paul is the author of the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at his life a little bit uh, in my uh, sermon today and, and some as we go along as well, but Ephesians in all reality is Paul's personal story. He makes it clear throughout the book uh, of Ephesians that the gospel, like I said, has the power to change everything, just like it changed him, who he called himself the worst of sinners. He called himself the chief among all sinners, but he lets us know in the book of Ephesians that if the power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the grace of God, if it can change him, it can change us as well. Amen. So I'm wondering, are there any products of God's grace in the house this morning? I'm wondering if there's any redeemed in the house that want to say so this morning, amen? Because we're only here because of God's grace. We're only here because the gospel of Jesus Christ made its way into our life. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to come into the family of God because you're going to hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. And all we have to do is believe and receive, amen? And our lives can be transformed and our lives can change. To give you a quick outline of the book of Ephesians, it's divided into two parts. Chapters 1 through 3 is an introduction to the gospel story, which we call the good news of Jesus Christ or the gospel of grace, which comes through Jesus Christ. It's also in an introduction to Paul's life story, which we'll look at. The second part is chapters 4 through 6, where we learn how the gospel story should affect every area of our life. How many have been affected by the gospel? Amen. 
Well, what the Word and what Paul in Ephesians teaches us is that every area of our life should be affected by the gospel. Our personal life should be affected by the power of the gospel. Our marital life should be affected by the power of the gospel. Our children's lives, our family life, our business life, our our mental life, our emotional life, our, our community life, every area of our life Paul tells us should be affected by the power of the gospel. Listen, it's why the word of God is so important to have in your life, amen? It's why it's so important to have the gospel part of your marital life and part of your your parenting life and part of your biblical, I mean, part of your financial life. Every part of your life should have the word of God in it so it can be affected in a personal way, amen? And that's what God has in store for us over the next few weeks. All throughout Ephesians, Paul reveals to us what it means to be in Christ and the power that comes along with it. How many of you know that there is a divine power that comes through being in Christ, amen? There's a power that we can have and experience and and have operating in our lives that we find only in Christ. It's the power to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus the Lord. It's the power uh, to bear the fruit of of righteousness or right living in our lives. We would call it the, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and and self-control. And the reality is that fruit can only be born or brought forth in Christ, in a relationship with Christ. When we are rooted in Christ and built up in Christ and established in Christ, that's where that fruit comes forth. But there is a power, church, when we find ourselves in a relationship grafted in personal, intimate relationship with Christ. We find power over the devil, over the enemy. The Bible says over every unclean spirit that might try to come against us. We have power over the one that roams about like a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking someone to devour. How many of you know that the devil wants to devour you? Uh, You know, he wants to devour you with depression, or he wants to devour you with fear, he wants to devour you with lust, or he wants to devour you with greed, he wants to devour your marriage, he wants to devour your mind, he wants to devour your kids and your money, everything about your life, but it's why it's so important for us to be found in Christ, because when we are in Christ, we have power over all the work of the enemy, amen, when we're in Christ. We have the power to be called the sons and daughters of God. Are there any sons in the house this morning? Any daughters in the house this morning? That's who we are in Christ. Outside of Christ, the Bible says we're nothing but in Christ. We are all things, amen? And especially what Ephesians teaches us in chapter 1 is that when we are in Christ, church, we become part of the covenant family of God. And that's covered in verses 4 through 14, which we will highlight as we go. But I'm wondering this morning, are there anyone thankful for that power this morning? Amen? I know I am. I couldn't stand up here without that power. I couldn't do marriage for 34 years without that power. Amen? I couldn't be of sound mind without that power. And neither can you. It's why we, we need that power to rest upon us. And that's my prayer this morning, 
that that power, church, rests upon me as I bring you the word, and that that power rests upon you as you receive the word. Amen? So let it be in Jesus' name. Let us receive that power this morning. Our opening text this morning is Ephesians 1.1, where I'll introduce us to Paul, uh, who writes the following words. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to pause a couple times to let you know that every time you read the gospel... Every time you read something that Paul wrote or another disciple or apostle wrote, I would encourage you to linger for just a little bit on the opening statement that is made. Because more times than not, everything about that book is contained in the opening verse, just like it is here. And I want you to understand and see the power of the gospel that's established just in the first sentence. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Real briefly, I want you to understand that Paul used to be Saul. He used to be an enemy of the kingdom of God and an enemy of the kingdom. He used to work for Rome, and he used to obey the will of the emperor of Rome. But here he's making an opening statement that reveals the transformation power of the word of God, that he's not writing to us as that individual, but he's writing to us as Paul, now an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I want you to understand that you are in the family of God by the will of God. I want you to understand this morning that you are in his house by his will and according to his will. It wasn't a mistake that you turned off Highway 34 this morning. It wasn't by coincidence that you decided, I'm going to go to South Metro Ministry or I'm going to tune in online this morning. It's not by accident. It was by the will of God because the the word of God has the power to change and transform our lives. Amen? And he goes on and says, he writes it to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. How many of you know God is always looking for a faithful people? Amen? He's looking every day for a faithful people, someone that's faithful in their relationship with him, someone that's faithful in their walk with him and their, their communication to him through what we call prayer. He's looking for someone that's faithful in their giving to him and, and their service to him and to their worship to him and, and even in their love to him, amen? That's what it means to be faithful to the Lord. It means I'm gonna give to the kingdom of God whenever I can give. It means I'm going to serve the kingdom of God and the house of God and the people of God every time that I can. It means that I am going to pray for the family of God, kingdom of God, and, and people of God, church. It, he's looking for a faithful people. He's not just looking for a people that are faithful to Sunday morning. I want you to know he's looking for people that are faithful in their marriage. He's looking for people that are faithful in their parenting. He's, he's looking for people that are faithful with their finances and faithful in their community, faithful to the, to the one who employs them, church, faithful to their friends and, and to their neighbors. He's looking for a faithful people, church. 2 Chronicles 16.9 reminds us of this when it says, For the eyes of the Lord wander to and fro or back and forth across the whole earth so that he might show himself mighty and powerful towards those whose hearts are faithfully his. And I'm telling you that this morning because God wants to prove himself mighty to his faithful people. 
There is a power and there is a might that is available to every single one of us to be able to go through the battles of life and the hardships of life and the heartaches of life. Uh, when we are faithful, church, that's what he's looking for every day. The eyes of the Lord, it says, wander to and fro across the whole earth. How many of you know in one look God can find the faithful people? Amen? He's everywhere. In one second, he can find his faithful people, but that's what he looks for. And when he finds them, guess what he says? I'm going to pour out my power on them today. I'm going to pour out my power and my might upon them. I'm going to help them through their circumstance. I'm going to help them through their, their difficulty, through their trials and tribulations. He's looking always for a faithful people, amen, who are in him this morning one of the first things that we need to know about the, the book of Ephesians is that the Apostle Paul writes this book while he's undergoing his first Roman imprisonment for preaching the gospel. In other words, he was thrown in jail for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He writes these words to the church and, and to, the, to the, the, the church and the people in Ephesus while he's in chains and in prison for sharing and talking about the grace of God that changed and transformed his life, church. While chained to a Roman guard, Paul writes what some say is his greatest book of all. They call it his personal manifesto. They call it his crowning achievement. They call it his greatest letter to the church. Understand the, the, the meaning of that and the power of the gospel in that statement. If it's his crowning achievement and the greatest book that he ever wrote, he wrote it, church, while he was in prison. He wrote it while he was in chains. He wrote it while he was chained to a Roman soldier. He did it while he was chained to his bed at night so he couldn't get away. Chained to, to the bars during the day so he couldn't get away. And that teaches us two things, church. Paul writing from prison teaches us two things. One, nothing should ever get in the way of us proclaiming the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Nothing should ever get in the way from us saying so if we've been redeemed. Amen? If we are recipient of God's grace, every day we ought to go out there and tell someone about the goodness and the grace of God in our lives. Amen? It's what Paul did while he was in a prison cell. While he was wrapped up in chains, while, while persecuted and in chains, Paul still writes to the church under the inspiration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know what that tells me? It tells us that no matter our lot in life, God can still speak to us. No matter our lot in life, condition in life, if you're in a prison cell, a dark place, a surrounded place, an imprisoned place, God can still speak to you there. I don't care how dark it is, God can still inspire you there. I don't care what kind of a mess your marriage might be in. I'm telling you this morning that the power of the Holy Spirit can speak to you in that marital mess and inspire you and still use you, church. It's what the Bible says. He can still speak to us, use us, and inspire us regardless of our circumstance and situation. Please get it again. In prison, in chains, tied to a Roman soldier, Paul continues to build up the kingdom of God. I'm not going to let that get in the way. I'm not going to let those chains, I'm not going to let the persecution get in the way of what God has ordained me to do and called me to do and, and, and empowered me to do. I'm not going to let it get in the way. So what does he do? He builds up the kingdom of God. What does he do? He builds up the church of God. He wrote this to the church in Ephesus so the church might be encouraged. 
He wrote this to the people of God. He he encouraged the people of God. Amen. So again, I'm just telling you, listen, our goal and responsibility and call on our life is to be an encourager to the kingdom of God and the people of God. We ought to be bearing one another's burdens. We ought to be building one another up in love. We ought to be speaking kindness and love and forgiveness and mercy and grace to those that are around us. Nothing should get in the way. The sad reality is far too often we're so, we're so caught up in our own struggles and difficulties. We're so weighed down by our own burdens that we forget about the burdens that others are bearing. But the word says, bear one another's burdens. And in doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. Paul did it in prison. Why can't we do it as free men and women in Christ? Amen? But that's what it teaches us, church. It teaches us those two things. Nothing should get in the way of us proclaiming the gospel. And nothing can get in the way of us being inspired by the gospel either. It will reach into what area of our life that we need it to reach into. Amen? Again, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And I highlight the word Paul here because Paul begins his letter by proclaiming to the church that he was not speaking to them as the old man Saul. And I'll explain, Saul is who Paul used to be. And he's not speaking to them as Saul. He's not speaking to them as one that is ruled by the old nature or the old man. He's not speaking to them as the one who persecuted the church and prosecuted the church. He's not speaking to them. He's saying, Paul, this is who's writing to you, church. Paul. A new man in Christ. He, he's not speaking to them as a Hellenistic Jew whose job it was to, to trample out and put a stop to the Christian church movement. It was his job to arrest every Christian that he could and put him in chains and shackles and even execute some of them. That was Saul's job. But I'm not speaking to you as Saul, Paul says. I'm speaking to you as a new man in Christ. I'm speaking to you today as one that has been transformed by the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. One that has been transformed by the grace of God in my life. Amen? Listen, the reality is I'm speaking the word of God to you today as a man too that's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, made new by the gospel of Jesus Christ, made new by the, by the grace of God in my life. I'm speaking to you as a man that once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I'm speaking to you as a man that once was in the miry clay, but somewhere along in my life, the gospel of Jesus Christ made its way into my dark place and made its way into my prideful place and it lifted me up out of the miry clay and it set me on a rock eternal. Amen? That is the power of the gospel. Listen, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through him as well. When I used to have to give an oral report in school, I would literally get sick. You'd find me in a corner running to the restroom having to just get physically sick. But I've been transformed by the power of God and the Holy Spirit of God and the word of God in my life, church. And I'm going to tell you, whenever you stand up for God, he's going to empower you. Whenever you open your mouth and begin to speak the gospel like I'm speaking the gospel, he's going to be right there with you and right there inside of you. So nothing should get in the way. Please understand, Saul is who Paul used to be. 
before his encounter with Christ in Acts chapter 9. Read it yourself. You'll find the tremendous story of Paul. Real quick, for those of you who don't know the story, Paul used to be Saul. Again, worked for the, the Roman Empire, okay? And one day on his way to Damascus to, to arrest and to, and to capture and to squash out the Christian movement on his way while riding a horse. The Bible tells us that a bright light shone down from heaven so bright that it knocked Saul off of his horse. And while he was laying on the ground, a voice from heaven called out and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul laying down in the dirt, he said, who is that that's speaking to me? And the voice said, this is Jesus who you persecute. And the Bible tells us that for three days and three nights he was blinded so much that he had to be led by hand, the Bible says, by one of his soldiers into Damascus to a house on Straight Street where a man by the name of Ananias would come and share with him the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's there at that moment when he was exposed to the gospel, there at that moment when he was exposed to the grace of God that Saul became Paul, a man of God. Amen. It's the power of the the transformation power of the gospel. And again, I'm wondering this morning, how many of you are glad that there is a used to be in your story? Amen. Listen, if you've been born again, saved by the and sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ, there is a used to be in your story. Paul used to be Saul, an enemy of Christ. An enemy of the Christian, an enemy of the kingdom. Maybe your used to be was a proud and haughty one. Maybe your used to be was a, a prostitute. Maybe your used to be was a, a pornographer. Maybe your used to be was a big time playboy. Maybe your used to be was a liar, a cheat, or a thief. You know, maybe your used to be, like I said, was proud and haughty. Maybe, maybe your used to be was a drunk or an alcoholic or, or, a, or a, a, a drug addict. Maybe that's what your used to be was, church. Maybe your used to be was a bigot or a racist. Maybe your used to be was full of anger or wrath or rage or, or, or envy or greed. I don't know what your used to be is, but I'm telling you that if you're in Jesus Christ today, old things have passed away and all things have become new and I have a used to be in my story, church. A used to be. And listen, if you're tired of who you are today, there can be a used to be in your story as well. And you will find it through Jesus Christ. I'm tired of being that old man. If that's you today, there is victory and power through Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a used to be in every one of our lives until you encountered Christ. Amen. And when we did, all things became new in him. All things became new in him because the gospel of Jesus Christ should affect every area of our life. And I'm not preaching a condemning word, but listen, if you're struggling in an area of your life and you just don't seem to have victory over, get it into Jesus, amen? Put it into Jesus' hand and stop trying to deal with it all of your own. Root it in Jesus Christ and watch the victory that comes, amen? When we are in him, all things become new. Paul says in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing again in Christ. Listen, there are blessings in Christ you can't get anywhere else. 
And I'm not talking, and Paul's not talking about earthly blessings. I'm not talking about a blessing you can pick up at the five and dime. I'm talking about blessings that have been cultivated in the heavenly realms. You see, when you and I are in Jesus Christ, there are blessings that only come from heavenly realms. You can't get them anywhere else. Paul's not talking about man-made blessings here. He's talking about blessings that have been formed and fashioned by the hand of God himself for his sons and daughters who are in Christ, church. There are blessings beyond measure that come when we find ourselves in Jesus Christ. This world can't offer you what Jesus can in Christ. What the kingdom can in Christ. We seem to be out there so often. Boy, we're just trying to gather up all these earthly blessings. They're they're nothing. How'd that happen? How'd that happen? There we are, right? Man, that anointing just rushed right over there and changed that. But here's my point. My point is this. In Christ, this is where the story changes. It's in Christ. It's where Paul's story changed. Saul's stories changed. Where, where my story changed. Where your story changes. Amen? It's in Christ where, where our story changes. It's here. Where old things pass away and all things become new. It's here where the weak are made strong, where the fearful become courageous, where the lost are now found, amen, where the blind get spiritual sight. It's here in Christ where all things become possible, amen. It's here where I become more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus the Lord. It's here where my past is forgiven. It's here where the sinner set free. It's here where, where the old soul is slain. It's here where I'm raised into newness of life. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. And there's so many out there in the house of God. You're trying to do it all on your own. And all you need is to surrender and say, God, I need to be in Christ. It's in Christ where guilt and condemnation come to an end. And the greatest of God's blessings are birthed into our life. It's in Christ, church. And it's what Paul is trying to teach us in the book of Ephesians. It's here in Christ where I become a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's in Christ where I become part of the covenant family of God. Amen. It's here. Just like it was with Paul, where our, where we are, where our heart, I'll say it this way, is where our heart is transferred from the throne in Rome to the throne in heaven. It's where our, it's where our life becomes owned and operated by the kingdom of God and not by the kingdom of man, amen? Nowhere else can our story change other than in Christ in Christ. If there's anything you get out of this message today in chapter 1, it's the awesome power that is available to us when we are in Christ. Because all things are made new here and all things are possible here. What the devil tells you is impossible is possible in Christ. 
When the devil says forget it about your marriage, it's possible in Christ. When the devil tells you your son or your daughter ain't never coming back home, it's possible in Christ. When the devil says you're too sick and you can't be healed, it's possible in Christ. When your mind is so tormented and you can't sleep at night and the devil says you're not going to have another night's rest, it's possible in Christ. It's possible in Christ. Amen. This is what the Holy Spirit and Paul and the gospel is trying to teach us. It was in Christ where Paul became an apostle of Christ Jesus, church. He first, he begins his letter by telling us who it is that's writing, which was Paul. And now he's telling us what his role is in the kingdom of God. You know what his role used to be. It used to be Saul. And his role was an apostle of the, of the kingdom of Rome, an employee of the emperor of Rome, but now he's telling us what his role is. It is now an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know what an apostle of Christ is? It's a kingdom builder. It's a church builder. It's a, it's a, it's a body builder. That's what Paul's job was. And if you call yourself in Christ, that's our job too. It's to build the kingdom. It's to build the believer. And it's to build the church. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what he says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, he begins his letter by letting them know that it was, it was not Saul who was speaking to them, not an enemy of Christ who was speaking to them, church. Speaking to them as an apostle, an employee of the kingdom of God. The truth is, in virtually every letter Paul writes, he begins with a statement of ownership. And I want you to understand, that right there is a statement of ownership. In every letter Paul wrote, virtually every letter, he starts with a statement of ownership. Not with what he owns, not with who he owns, but with who owns him. In one of his letters, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus the Lord. Statement of ownership. In another book, he writes, Paul, a servant of Christ our Lord. Statement of ownership. Another letter, he writes, Paul, a slave to my father, which is another statement of ownership. And here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. It's another statement of ownership, church. What this tells me, reading it, it's quite simple. That Paul is making it clear who he's employed by. He's making it clear who owns him and who operates him, church. And, and I'm wondering this morning, who is it that, that owns and operates us? Paul was owned and operated, made it clear by the kingdom of God, not by the kingdom of men. He was owned and operated by God in the kingdom of God and not of men. But I wonder who owns and operates us? Who owns and operates our gifts and our talents? Who owns and operates our time and our treasures? Who is it that, 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 that paves our path? Who is it, church, that we are yielded to? Who is it that we are submitted to? What kingdom is it that we, advance, that we are advancing? What kingdom is it that, that we are operated by, that we represent? What kingdom do we work for? Who is it that directs our path and our priorities in life? Who is it that, that controls our thoughts and our, and our conversations and our footsteps in life? Is it the kingdom of men or is it the kingdom of God? Is it me, myself, and I or is it Jesus Christ? 
You see, when we're in Christ, we demonstrate or should demonstrate through our lifestyle that we are owned and operated by Christ. That the words that I speak are owned and operated by him. That the things that I do, the places that I go, the relationships that I have, they're owned and operated by Christ, church. And, and I wonder this morning, who owns and operates us? Is it the old man Saul? Or is it the new man in Christ? Is it the spirit or is it the flesh? Is it I or is it Christ? Is it Rome or is it heaven? You understand what I'm saying? Because someone will control us. Someone will have the right to operate us. Someone will lead our footsteps. And Paul makes it clear who leads his. It's Jesus. He walks in the footsteps of Jesus. And, and, and that's what he wants us to understand. Paul made it clear that to every, in every letter that he was owned and operated by Christ, he knew that he wasn't his own. That he was bought with a price. And that he was going to glorify God in his life church as an employee of the kingdom of God, as a joint heir in Jesus Christ. And that's who we are in Christ, church. That's who we are. We're inheritors of the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters of God. We have been adopted into the family of God when we make our way into Christ. And it's what we're shown and what we learn in verse 4, where Paul said, in love, he brought you forth for adoption to sonship. Please understand, God's goal for you from the beginning of time was to bring you into his family. From the foundation of the earth, the Bible says that Jesus was slain. Why? So that you and I could come into the family of God. So that you and I could come out of darkness into his glorious light. But that's what we were, that's what he has designed for us to be adopted into sonship. In love, he brought you forth for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. And I go up here to in love. I want you to know this morning that you were brought forth into this world and onto this earth in love. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care where you were conceived, how you were conceived, when you were conceived. I don't care what your family looks like. Well, I do care. You know what I'm saying. I care what it looks like. But it doesn't matter how you were conceived, where you were conceived, when you were conceived. It doesn't matter what your family looks like today or, or, or how they feel towards you. I want you to know, according to the Word of God, that you were brought forth into this world by the love of God. By the love of God, you were brought forth. You might not have been... Listen... You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You weren't an afterthought. The Bible makes it clear that you were intentional and not accidental. And it's what Paul teaches us in, in verses 4 through 14 of chapter 1. That you were intentional and not accidental. You were not brought forth by the will or the pleasure of man. You were brought forth by the will and the pleasure of God, the Bible says. He brought you forth for his pleasure. He brought you forth for his good work. So it doesn't matter what your family looks like. If you're in Christ, you're part of the greatest family that there is. It's the covenant family of Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what the devil whispers to you. It doesn't matter what the world has told you, your friends have told you, your spouse has told you, your kids have told you, your parents have told you. You are not an accident. You are not a flaw or a mistake. You were brought forth by the love of God, and the word says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? 
fearfully and wonderfully made. The devil will try to tell you every day you're not good enough, ladies. Man will try to tell you you're not good enough, man. Here's what I encourage you to do. Every day when you look in that mirror and the devil whispers stuff against you, you look in that mirror trying to get you ready for the day, you need to start out your day by saying, God, I thank you that what I see in that mirror was fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you that I am your handiwork, God. No matter what the enemy might tell you, I was fearfully, wonderfully made, and I will walk in that through this day. It'll change your life. Listen, that's the power of the gospel because it tells you that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God's will from the beginning of time, and I got to start winding this thing down, but God's will from the beginning of time was to make us joint heirs with Jesus Christ, to make us inheritors of the kingdom of God. That's what verses 4 through 14 teach us, church, that we were once outcasts. That we were once children of darkness, but God had a plan to make us his own. Amen? He had a plan to bless us and not harm us, to give us hope and and to give us a future. Listen, I want you to know, whatever situation and circumstance you might be going through, it might look hopeless to you. But I want you to know that in Christ, there's hope. In Christ, there's hope. Amen? Amen? It's God's will for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. You see, God has provided us everything we need pertaining to life and and, and righteousness, the Bible says. But there's one thing we have to do. We have to receive and believe. have to receive and believe. So I don't know where you're at today in your your receiving of the the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I am telling you that if you receive it and you believe it, if you receive and believe the gospel of grace, that no matter where you've been in life and you allow it access to your heart, your life will change forever. That's the power of the gospel, church. That's God's will, that we become part of his family and that we receive, here's how I close and call to the music, that we receive what Paul speaks of in verses 17 to 21, which is an incomparably great power. I won't read it all off of here, but I want you to know that God has an incomparably great power for those who believe the Bible says. He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And my hope is that when you leave here today, you know that there is a hope for you, that there's a hope for your future, a hope for your family, for your kids, for your marriage, for your finance. There is a hope for you, and it is found in Jesus Christ, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. I told you before, I want you to leave here knowing that there are blessings and riches that are formulated in the heavenly realms waiting for you to just accept the invitation to be in Jesus Christ. Amen? And he goes on to say that you may know and have his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly throne. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and over every name that is invoked. Not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. How many of you know it was an awesome, incomparable power that raised Christ up from the dead. Amen? It was an incomparably great power and I'm here to let you know this morning for those of you who are in Christ 
there is available that same power, church. Power greater than any mountain that might be standing in your way this morning. Power greater than any obstacle that seems to just keeping you from moving forward. Power uh, that's greater than any giant like Goliath that, that tries to stand in your way of possessing the promise that God has for you. A power that's greater than any lie that the devil and the enemy has ever whispered into your life. How many of you ever had a, a heartbreaking lie whispered into your life? I want you to know this morning that there is a power in Christ that can defeat every lie or word that's ever been spoken against you in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a power greater than any mess you might be in today, any struggle you might be encountering, any storm that might be stirring in your life. And there is a power in Christ greater than any sin that you might have ever committed. Paul. Paul let us know that if the gospel of grace could change him and turn his life around, he was an evil man. And the gospel of grace changed his life forever. So whatever circumstance or situation you might be in this morning, God wants you to know that there is a power greater than whatever that is and you can go home free today. It's, it's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of a new life in Christ. And when you are in Christ, like Paul was in Christ, his story reshapes our story. Amen? When you are in Christ, like Paul was in Christ, his story, which is the gospel story, his story, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. His story, which is the story of grace. His story can change our story and our lives will never be the same again. Amen.